so glad you could join me today. Oh, do I have a message for you. The message that I want to deliver to you is called the cup. Before I tell you about the cup, I want to introduce this message with the following statements. Did you know that there is a desperation in this last hour to see revival and a burning passion for Jesus in the body of Christ? But in order to realize this desperation, the Lamb of God must be kept on the altar of the church. The Lamb of God must be kept on the altars of the hearts of believers. That means he must be at the center of it all. You see, for far too long, the lamb and the cross has been placed in the basement. What is a basement? A basement is a storage place. And normally, in the basement of a house, that which you don't need, or that which you don't want, is stored and kept in the basement. Dear friend, for far too long, the lamb and the cross has been placed in the basement of the church. For far too long, the lamb and the cross has been placed in the basement of the heart of the believer. No wonder there's so much complacency. What is complacency? A self-satisfaction with oneself. A self-satisfied state. No wonder there's so much materialism. An unhealthy obsession with possessions and physical comfort. So much greed. So much division. So much selfish ambition. And so much sexual sin in the church today. No wonder so many young people slide back into sin. Even after experiencing a move of God. They have fallen on the floor. They've shaken under the power of God. But their hearts haven't been shaken to the core with the power of the cross. This is why a true encounter with Jesus Christ crucified is needed. An encounter that will shake you to the depths of your being. Join me now as we go to the cup. And as you begin to understand the cup, it will give you an encounter that will shake you to the depths of your being. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 26, and we will read from verse 36. The heading there is the prayer in the garden. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. 
the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. Listen to verse 42 again. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. In this verse, we find, verse 42, we find that Jesus finally surrenders to the cup. Prior to this verse, he wrestles in such agony in prayer in the garden because he looked into the depth of the cup and saw its contents. What he saw caused his agony. What he saw caused his pain. What he saw caused his difficulty. What did he see? Here's a little summary of what he saw. He saw the entire curse of the law. He saw the terrors of Satan's fiercest temptations and all the sufferings which can befall body and soul. It also contained the dreadful ingredient of abandonment by God, by his Father. That hellish agony and the bloody death to which the curse was attached, all to be endured while surrounded by the powers of darkness. Remember, the cup was prior to his crucifixion. And this is what he saw in the cup. Remember on the cross, he cried, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? But in the cup, prior to the crucifixion, he saw this. He saw what was lying ahead for him. And this was the agony that he was experiencing. That's why in the garden, his sweat became like drops of blood. The agony of soul was so intense when he saw the contents of the cup, that he began to sweat so profusely that it was like drops of blood that he shed. Oh, this cup was a terrible cup to drink. At first, he asked the Lord, if it is his will to allow the cup to pass from him. But later on, he surrenders to the cup. When he says, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Thank God that Jesus surrendered to the cup. Thank God he surrendered to the cup. Let me take you to the book of John. John chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. I want to point out something to you in John chapter 10, verse 18, John chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. Let me give you the context first. Judas comes with troops and he comes with officers and a detachment, a detachment of troops, the chief priests and the Pharisees to come and arrest Jesus in the garden. 
And here in the garden, when they arrive to arrest Jesus, Simon Peter, in verse 10, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Do you hear the words of Jesus? Put your sword back into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? In this verse, it is clear that Jesus, after his agony and after he surrenders to the father's cup, that he could say to Peter with absolute assurance, Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? What is he saying to Peter? He was telling Peter, stop. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't stop what the father has willed. Don't stop what I have surrendered to. Don't try to stop destiny, Peter. I've got to drink the cup my father has given me. These words speak volumes, for they show the chief reason for Jesus' crucifixion. You see, we need to look into the magnitude of the cup Jesus drank so that we can know and let the world know this is what God did for them. Do you get that? When we recognize and we realize the magnitude of the cup that Jesus drank, understanding what he saw, understanding what he experienced before the crucifixion in the garden, we'll begin to appreciate afresh the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross of Calvary. You see, dear friends, the cross is the center of the gospel, and hallelujah for that. And the cup is the nucleus of the cross. The cup is the reason for the cross. If Jesus had not surrendered to the cup, there would be no crucifixion. And if there was no crucifixion, there would be no salvation for you and me. Thank you, Jesus, for surrendering to the Father's cup. When you and I recognize the depths of the cup, we can say like Paul in Philippians 3 verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death, being conformed to his death. Fellowshipping or sharing in his sufferings does not refer to our sufferings. Sufferings like, for example, a headache. Not that we diminish headaches or see it as something light. Or something like suffering from the loss of a job or losing a sports match. No, the sufferings that Paul is referring to here when he refers to, when he refers to the fellowshipping, fellowshipping in his sufferings is referring to Christ's sufferings on the cross. We know this because when Paul suffered shipwreck, beatings, stonings, hunger, false accusations, and imprisonment, he called these his light afflictions. Take note, he calls what he experienced sufferings of being shipwrecked, beatings, stonings, hunger, false accusations, and imprisonment. He calls this 
his light afflictions. Because in comparison to what Christ experienced, his sufferings were minimal. His sufferings failed in comparison to what Christ experienced. You see, when Paul spoke of his sufferings, he was identifying with the sufferings of Jesus. This is what it means to drink his cup and to be baptized with his baptism. It means to so enter into fellowship with his sacrifice that you can almost taste a drop of his cup. You can almost feel a measure of the wrath he bore. It is entering so deeply into his crucifixion that your own flesh is crucified with Christ. And this is the wonder. Christ was baptized into the fiery wrath of God on the cross so that you and I could be baptized in the fire of revival. That you and I, so that you and I can be baptized into the fire of the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? If Christ did not surrender to the cup, if Christ did not surrender to the cup, there would be no cross. And if there was no cross, there would be no salvation for you and me and every other human being who would surrender their lives to Jesus. And if there was no salvation, there would be no fire of God. There would be no Holy Spirit outpouring. We need to appreciate the cup. We need to appreciate the surrendering of Jesus to the cup, my friend. And today, there's an opportunity for you to reflect back upon what Jesus had experienced for you and me when he was in that garden so that we can value the price that he was prepared to pay for you and me. There's nothing greater than Christ who surrendered his life for you and me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And this is what it means when we talk about the cup of Christ. In order for you and I to remain sustained and to remain fervent in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to identify with what Jesus went through. Oh, hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And may you keep on keeping on for Jesus. Amen and amen. Mm -hmm.